listening to Money Talk. Why not we get into a few of the questions that we have from listeners this week. We got one from Sean from Ackworth who asks, uh, if I had to choose, what would be better, an IRA or a 401k? Yeah, and, uh, you know, a lot of times that's not a mutually exclusive decision. Uh, You know, you can, oftentimes you have an employer that offers a 401k plan. You can contribute to that. You can also contribute to an IRA. And if your income is below 121,000, um, you know, if you do have the option of a 401k and your income is below 121,000, you can still get the tax deduction for a contribution to your IRA up to $5,500 if you're under 50 or 6,500 if you're over 50. Um, so there's some good, you, you can do both. Um, there's no reason you can't, the, there are some benefits that start to go away above at higher income levels. Obviously, if you're above 121, you start to lose the tax deduction on the, uh, IRA contributions, you would probably just want to put as much as you can into the 401k. 401k, there's benefits to both. Um, you know, 401k has higher limits. There's no limit um, to, for there's no income limit to when you can contribute to it. There is a limit that you you can only put in 18,500 if you're over 50, uh, and then there's a $6,000 catch up for over 50 for 24.5 total, um, and then your employer can contribute. Um, you know, so the maximum for combined between the employee deferral and the employer contribution is 55,000 um for under 50 and 61,000 if you're over 50. So there's some higher limits you can get more money into the 401k. A lot of times an employer will offer a match which you don't have in an IRA, so that's a nice benefit. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? That's a 100% return right there. So there's to your to your 37%, John. Contribute to your 401k and get 100 if your employer matches it. That's right. Yeah. Um so yeah, you know, John. <laughs> take, yeah, what's the cap that. on that? What's the cap on that one? Yeah, there is. It's <laughs> bigger than eleven, though. Yeah, it is. So what? Sixteen? Eighteen five? How about that? I'm sure. Or twenty four five if you're over fifty. So yeah, but um, they're probably right, not going to so match. So twenty four five for me. Yeah, um, they they won't match. But hey, you know what? The first five percent, it still makes absolutely no no sense if you do get matched. Absolutely. So I mean, it, there's really no uh, there. There's a lot of good features about both of these plans. I mean, one thing, another interesting feature, the 401k plan, you have unlimited creditor protection because that's a qualified retirement plan that's governed by ERISA. So if you do, you know, have a bankruptcy situation, you've got $5 million in your 401k, you can't be uh, touched from a bankruptcy situation. Yeah, it's basically yours. If you're putting it into the 401k, yep. there, it's, it'd be really difficult for you to lose that money in a situation uh, concerning fraud or bankruptcy or any of those. Exactly. And an IRA does carry some protection as well, but it's only up to a million dollars. So, uh, well, I think it's actually indexed. I don't want to say it's like 1.2 now or something like that, but it's it's a little more limited than a 401k. Um, but IRA is still a, a great vehicle. Yeah, lots Final, more options, right? Yeah, there's more options. Uh, that's the biggest thing, the investment flexibility in the IRA, and you've got possibly lower fees. I mean, yeah. especially if you're self-directing it. Um Although that's where it does become, because you have so many options, it probably makes sense to have somebody helping you with it unless you're, you know, a professional or know right. what you're doing. Yeah, the average 401k is just going to be mutual funds, whereas an IRA, you would have the option to buy mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, stocks. Individual stocks, yeah. bonds. Right. Pretty much anything that you 
could dream of in financial markets. Right? Yeah, exactly. So flexibility and, and fees is probably the the pros for the IRA limits, uh, and deductibility, employer match, all of creditor protection. Those would be the on the 401k column. Sure. All right. Well, good answer. Uh, so we've got another one here. Barry from Canton asks, uh, why are IPOs considered speculative? I feel if a company is going public, it has to have financials to warrant investors on that level. Uh, uh, financials are required for an IPO, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're uh, that they're going to be beneficial to the uh, to the returns in the in the uh, stock itself. There's a lot of uh, debate as to just why people want IPOs. So uh, quite often what happens is uh, as kind of a gift, if you will, to uh, investors that have been with them a long time. Uh, some of the folks that get involved, uh, the big brokerage houses that get involved in, uh, in uh, initial public offerings um, and have a say in the pricing of those IPOs uh, tend to build in uh, pretty significant gains. And how would they do that? Well, they go in, they do evaluation. They have to do evaluation of the company, and they have to try to be fair to the issuer, right, the, the company's management and, and owners right. who are issuing, issuing the uh, public stock. Um, so they try to make it so that uh, the argument is that they, they kind of lowball the initial valuation. So when it comes onto the market, you see huge gains. Uh, there's a few out there that are actually historic. Uh, don't know if you remember Snapchat from 2017, March mm -hmm. 1st, it went public at 17 bucks. By the end of that day, yeah, yeah, there we go. Roll. Yeah, the drum roll. <laughs> The stock closed that day at $27.09, 10 bucks per share left on the table, 2.3 billion shares, or no, 20, 230 million shares, so $2.3 billion left on the table the issuer did not get. Now, that seems like, you know, there's probably attorneys all over the place that would like to, to get a piece of the, the folks that came up with the issue price for Snapchat, right? Right. Um, but if you pay close attention, what wound up happening is uh, Snapchat is still selling below that 17. It uh, it began fading shortly thereafter, and by the end of uh, 2017, the stock was was uh, negative. And and honestly, when you look at the statistics, that is not uncommon. Um, so you know whether whether the uh, issuer might have might have uh, tried to make a case or not. I, I haven't heard of that. I haven't seen that that was going on. It's just part of what happens. There's a lot of emotion that gets caught up in the stock market. And anything technology over the last year and a half, as we've been talking, has uh, has been a hot topic, right? Well, a lot of those are news-driven or just there's a lot of hype around those companies. I mean, Facebook, IPO, did something right. similar. Uh, yeah, they had, they had problems on the Facebook IPO. It was so uh, so popular. I think volume yeah. overran the market. For exactly. Me. Uh, but you're right. It's uh, it's when you see the the performance of the previous similar stock, and that was the one Facebook versus a Snapchat. Uh, you know, it was really popular. People all dived in. Uh, many of them couldn't get the IPO, so they're buying as soon as the market opens. Uh, it's pretty rare to have somebody that's got access to uh, initial public offerings. Right. Like I said, it's usually um, those things are where, where an individual can buy at the issue price, the very first tick of the day, 
of of forever actually um, on a on a stock. It's pretty rare to find somebody that's able to do that. It's usually uh, a person who's got a brokerage account, very well established, and does a lot of business with those big brokerage houses that are in the middle of the deal. So. Um, you know, so everybody else is piling on to make sure that they get their chunk of the new issue. Uh, they're the ones that drive the price through the roof. So from 27 bucks, you know, we've, we're down 11% almost year to date in uh, 2018. Um, but if you look at IPOs, I checked over the past 12 months, there's about 4,355 IPOs globally that, uh, that have uh, issued. Gains were about 11%. That's since issuance. Um, but if you look at the median, now that's the average. So there's a lot of the, the ones that move huge mm -hmm. that are driving the action there. The median. So if you take out all the outliers, high and low, the gain is 0.197% on those 12 that just issued yeah. over the last 12 months. Well, well you, you go back to business valuations and informed buyer you know, is, is is where the situation where in some of these cases you're talking about, like you said, it's a lot of emotion that's driving the prices up. Right. Yeah. And if if you want to get back to the initial question, which was, you know, why are IPOs considered speculative? Only 50.96% of all of those IPOs in the last 12 months are actually selling above their IPO price. So half are up, half are down, basically. Uh the longer you go in those positions, the worse it gets. Uh, uh, the offer price to the first open uh, gain average 1096 with a median that's higher than that median over the long term at 2.67%. So it's still substantially lower. In the first month, the average is 15.75% gain. So it gets bigger there. Mm -hmm. uh, but then when you, uh, when you go into uh, more detail, you look over the last six months, the likelihood of the, gain, of the gain becomes the coin flip, which is about where we are in that 50.96% uh, being positive uh, after an average of six months. Um, so, you know, it is a speculation, but uh, when you look at what the stock market's done over that same period of time, 16.14%. Yep. So... The market overall has beaten the IPO market over the last 12 months. Well, I think don't a lot of people try to, you know, they go get that IPO at, at the lower price. I mean, you had those statistics about what it typically does. And so sure. wouldn't it make sense to go try to buy it, get in as low as you can, ride it up, and then sell it? Yeah. And that's going to bring the price precisely. back down. And then you go talk to John and pay your tax at a short-term gain, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Ordinary income. Anyway, that's uh, that's the thing. Uh, it, it's looked at as speculative, basically, if you look at the statistics, because it is speculative. Yeah. yeah it's uh, um, the issues quite often that uh, go to market uh, don't even have earnings. They might have revenue growth that you can drive your decision by, but uh, long-term investors generally don't look to get IPOs. Uh, long-term investors look for the fundamentals, and, you know, once you got a, a fundamental a uh, situation that looks attractive, you know, it's uh, that's really what investing is made of, not speculation. Didn't I hear Dell was going to come come back out? As, yeah, I've as heard it? that, yeah. Uh, I don't know if we've got an IPO date yet or if even they've gone that far along, but, uh, yeah, I've heard that as well. Yeah, so mm -hmm. Dell Computer might be coming back to the 
public traded market. Uh, dude, where's my Dell? What was that, what was that commercial? Dude, you're getting a Dell. Dude, you're That's getting a Dell. Yeah, there it is. Dude, where's my car, I think. So okay, well, mixed up with. one of those dude sayings. Yeah, I, anything that starts with dude, my ears perk up. Yeah, that right? That must be a Georgia thing. Wow. Here you got to go, know your man. audience, buddy. Said, yeah, I don't know what part of All Tennessee of you think are, this uh, is. All six of them are Georgia fans, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> all six. All right, let's move on in that note. Uh, Randy asks, uh, is it worth buying the extended car warranties? KC, you got an opinion on this? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it really depends on what the details are of the warranty and how long you're going to own your car. I mean, basically, you're buying an insurance policy, right? So after the manufacturer's warranty runs out, then an extended warranty kind of takes over um, and will cover service or repairs and that kind of thing. There's there's usually a lot of fine print and things that they won't cover. I'm not a big fan personally, um, even though I tend to keep cars for longer than the average person, I would guess. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> but and which would make the argument to maybe consider an extended warranty if you're going to be keeping it. You know, the manufacturer's warranty typically runs you know two or three years probably. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's sort of the the same argument that we were talking about earlier with the mortgage. It's you know, if you can keep that money if you if you were to invest that money, and I'm sure most people probably don't, probably just goes in their pocket and they spend it like I do. But you could probably earn a better return than whatever it's going to cost you to actually repair the car. You know, if you have a need for repair, uh, especially newer you know newer cars, they're going to they're going to last for a little while, and and if they last long enough that you then need to go buy a new car before you ever have to have any major work done on it, then what's the point of the warranty? Yeah. I, you know what, Casey? I think uh, the the closer we get to self-driving cars and the more technology that goes into a car, the more likely I am. Uh, it, uh, you know, I am definitely a do-it-yourselfer, like yeah. to work on my own stuff and get dirt under my fingernails and all that fun stuff on the weekends because my job is... Uh, more about financial assets than hard assets, but uh, you know I like to, to mix it up a little bit on my free time. But uh, the uh, the more technology goes into these cars, the more likely I am to uh, spend money on a on an extended war- warranty in the future. And uh, you know it's it's one of those things. I I look at um, insurance companies, as you said, this is what this is an insurance policy. You look at insurance companies; they're pretty profitable companies. Sure. I'd rather buy the stock or a bond issued by an insurance company usually than definitely an annuity or some of the other products that insurance companies offer. Yeah. Why? Because they make a pretty good lick. Yeah. Right? They're, they're uh, profitable businesses. Uh, that being the case, I'd rather share with them in those profits than to be the one who's providing them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so, a good, good point. Anyway, that's uh, that's kind of my take on most uh, most annuities, especially, but uh, insurance in general. So, uh, guys, I don't think we have enough time for another question, but it uh, sure has been interesting to watch just uh, what all is coming out of Washington and the tariff talks and uh, everything that we've got going on. I still look at the uh, economy, and I don't see any indication as to uh, – any sort of a downturn, uh, we're talking about GDP at possibly 4% growth. Uh, things are pretty good. We need some good, big earnings to hit that number, so let's well, go to market. You know what? Earnings expectations are around 25% for the second quarter, and, uh, you know, here we are. We're, we're about to get into it. So um, that's going to just about get us KC market up or down this week. It's going to be up. Come on, John. What you think? Up. Okay. You know I'm a broken record. Market's up. Money talks. Take care.
All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.